Before we get to the show, I want to tell you about a message from our friends at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, that cancer does not stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors, or 1,762 steps. You could do it inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill. Climb your way up. Join us for an opening ceremony, and then take your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we get together to climb together, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to discuss all the proposed NBA playoff return to play formats. And of course, we're going to look at it through a Nets-centric view, meaning which of these most likely add up to Kevin Durant coming back to play for the Brooklyn Nets. And a special guest, Mike. Just kidding. But it could be Sir Michael Caine. <laughs> what? <laughs> it could be some what? <laughs> Sir Ma- Michael Caine. Uh... Oh. Do it again. So, so Michael Caine. About, the thing about doing a Michael Caine impression. <laughs> See, <laughs> I had it so well in the in the um, shower today. Anyways, sorry, we don't have to do any of that. Can you do Michael Michael Caine? Michael, it's about no Batman. It's about to Michael Caine's W Ooh, because yeah. if you if the way he says Michael, he inserts <laughs> he inserts a W in the Michael M I C H A E W W L Michael Caine. <laughs> Somewhere, right? It's 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 getting there. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here, Sale O'Brien. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, netsdaily.com. I was about to say Almighty Baller. Do you know why? Okay, before I get to the athletic who pays me money and I appreciate the healthcare as well, I was listening back to our old Spencer Dinwiddie interview from 2017. Um, one, our audio quality was so much worse in 2017. Two, so innocent, Spencer Dinwiddie. Wait, is that when you sent that tweet about the question that I asked? Is that literally the actual? Is there not a a typo in there in the tweet that you sent, or is that actually what I what I asked the guy? Well, you you said to Spencer. Okay, so let, let I'll rephrase so everyone knows what what happened was basically last night I had been feeling um kind of hurt to be honest, that our our pal, Spencer Dinwiddie, has been on every media outlet in the world recently. He's been on NBA TV. He's been on First Take. He was on Callan Cowherd show. He's in the same setting, which is like he's sitting there with the computer facing right up his his face, and he has the AirPods on, and he has sort of a, a, uh, uh, a, a curtain behind him that's a very a sheer curtain of some kind. And I had been feeling... I was like, hey, we had Spencer before he was cool. You know, mm-hmm. it's like seeing the strokes at CBGB's <laughs> back in yes. 2003. I don't know if that, that's the time frame. Totally. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go back to our Spencer Dinwiddie interview. And I think my dog is trying to break into our studio. So Brian, we start off the interview. This, again, let's reframe this, Brian. Well, I just want to, before, yes. before we get into, I, just, I really just want to get, is, is there a typo here? Because the, here's the quote for me. It says, yeah. I looked at your Twitter. You really inspired your Twitter presence. I really appreciate. That makes me sound like I just like <laughs> basically had a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that's the exact. No, that's, that's not the exact. <laughs> S-I-C. Probably pretty, it's probably pretty close because 
Yeah, uh, but <laughs> because no. I am a, a stammering buffoon. Yeah, for um, sure. So we had brought, we had Dinwiddie on. It was like June twentieth, two thousand seventeen. So he would have just finished his first like half a season with the Nets. Uh, this was just post Yogi Ferrell v Spencer Dinwiddie debate. If you're a hardcore Nets fan, you remember that debate, and it was a big part of your life for that year. Uh, but we we got Spencer on because I think we saw on Facebook that he really liked Dragon Ball Z. And and also Twitter, we saw that. So we reached out to Spencer, and he, he was very nice, and he came on the show. And Brian began, and I did not quote him accurately. I did not quote you accurately. But you began it by saying, I looked at your Twitter. You really inspire me, your Twitter presence. I really do appreciate, I think, is what the quote should have <laughs> okay. been. Okay. Because if you go back and look at this tweet, it, like, I, yeah, I it mean, I get it. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I've been there. I've been that are inarticulate before, for sure, in, a, in an interview. But so. I actually, so it's it is <laughs> beyond the horrible way I verbatimed Brian. The interview I tweeted it out recently on our timeline. So just go to at BK Glue Guys. The link to the Nets Daily article, you can see it there. It's it's kind of delightful to hear like young Spencer begin his media presence right here on. We were basically Ed Sullivan. And he was the Beatles. Um, we we I asked him about his SAT scores. I you ask him a great question about what Jeremy Lim Lynn taught him, like a, a little basketball move. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. we talk we do killer comparisons, Dragon Ball Z and NBA figures. And Spencer sat as we talked about it. I remember at the end of the interview, so Spencer goes and you and I saying, I don't think he talked we didn't let him talk enough. It was yeah. more like he was an observer of our conversation, but it was sure. it was a great combo. So there you go. Really good. Um, um, what are we going to do today, Mike? A couple of things. One, we have some quick emails. Brian wanted to. We're we're going to begin to foster our email community again. Yeah, I feel like we've been we've been slacking on that. So wanted to, and also we've got a couple months left of of this um, you know quarantine business. So felt like it would be a good time to start the show with some emails. You know, get people back involved. And. Mike. Uh, then we're going to talk about we, it's something that we haven't really addressed on the show, but it's all these playoff formats that we're hearing coming out. The NBA has a board of governors call on Friday, so we may hear more definitive news about exactly what the season will look like when it comes back. I think, and I'll say this now, I'm, I feel pretty confident unless if something catastrophic happens, and we all hope it doesn't that the NBA is going to come back. So we should start living in that reality and thinking more and more about what this Nets team is going to look like when it does come back. So we'll talk about sort of the main four playoff formats and we'll rank them in different ways. But the main way that I'm going to be viewing it towards is how likely Kevin Durant will come back in each of these playoff formats, which one is the one Nets fans should desire so that Kevin Durant comes back and plays basketball for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, partly tied to an Iron Eagle quote. But first email when you can email us, netspod at gmail.com is where you want to be sending your thoughts, questions, and queries, sir. And prayers. And prayers. Um, first up, netspod at gmail, a classic. Always got a shout out to your boy, Robbie Rose. Um, no John Cena drops again. For We have to bring back some drops. I don't yeah. know. We got to figure this out. Anyways, um, he says, Brian, just want to drop in and say that you were the only person I know besides myself who read The Third Chimpanzee. So I wanted to, this was on my mind because I didn't quote the, I didn't cite the author, Jared Diamond. Jared Diamond. You know, I hate doing that. Um, just heard you mention it on the pod and had to give you a high five. And I feel like we may have addressed this years ago. Um, so here's the big question, though. Is Mike's Achilles research pod for the glue guys or is he saving it for the athletic article? As always, your show is awesome as always. Double as always. Love that. Thanks for your great work. Thank you, Robbie. Big love. Um, Mike, this is also, there's two people have asked about this Achilles research it's, pod. There's a lot of people. Where it is. Is it real? Is it a meme? I mean, what's the deal? I think like, we can announce it's going to be on ESPN 9 p.m. Sunday nights. It's the after the Lance documentary. It's the next, the last dance. It's called The Last Achilles. They um, couldn't get a better time slot for that, huh? Yeah, 9, was... 9 p.m. Sunday night. Uh, it's going to be a 10-part Achilles now, uh, you know what's funny? So I, I originally did it anticipating that Kevin Durant was going to come back mid-March with like a few weeks left in the season. That was my anticipation. So what I wanted to do was I was going to drop it 
in like All Star Break February time, like do one episode, then another episode, another episode, hoping to lead into a Sham Sharania tweet where he says Kevin Durant is going to begin practicing. And then, hey, there's this like super great podcast about Achilles injuries. Um, that isn't going to happen. And now I'm going to try and decide. I, I want to lean on your expertise for a sec. Do I? I do think Kevin Durant is going to come back, which we will discuss. And we have discussed a lot. I think he's going to come back this season in the restarted season, end of season type deal is going to happen. So, like, should I release it now <laughs> or should I release it when they go into like training camp? So that because the point of the doc now is like, what will Kevin Durant look like when he comes back? Well, let me ask you this. Yes. <clears throat> Are you planning to add to it anymore? Is it done? Is it in the can? I mean, the interviews are done. The The uh, scripting is not close to being done, I, which can be done very quickly. I have the first episode in the can. The first episode is all about basically Durant's final season with the Golden State Warriors. Ethan Strauss, who wrote The Victory Machine, Ethan Strauss from The Athletic. He covers the Warriors for The Athletic. He's very plugged in. He wrote this great book. You may have seen it called The Victory Machine, which is about the making and unmaking of the Warriors dynasty. Ethan is basically the narrator of this first episode with me as well. I'm kind of providing some coverage there. Um, So that's episode one. Episode two is about the history of Achilles and the body part. So a little little crazy. And then episode three was going to be a mix of like history. Wait, of Achilles, like the myth. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> wow. yeah, you like this that? is a this is a wide ranging yeah <laughs> zoom in zoom out zoom in zoom yeah. out that's a documentary right? um yeah. and then i have interviews with like dominique wilkins d'angelo hall lafonso ellis guys who have suffered achilles injuries and have come back to play basketball or football in d'angelo hall's case uh so like episode three it was going to be like their process their injury and then they all said what they thought kevin durant was going to be like pretty cool talking to Dominique Wilkins. Not going to, not going to lie. Have you gone back and watched the Lafonso Ellis block on? um, Yes. What is it? Is it Mario Ellie? Who's, who is it? I forget, but the one where he like catches, catches the ball. Just, he pins it and, and catches it in the, in the crux of his wrist. Yeah. It's big recommend to everybody who's got a internet connection, boot up that YouTube and, uh, and just search Lafonso Ellis block. You'll, you'll find it right away. Um, I, yeah, I don't know, Mike. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to add. Uh, so Jackie McMullen wrote a piece. I think it was about, was it about Carl Malone recently or something like that? I forget what it was about, but she referenced there was a Kev, uh, Kenyon Martin play when he was with the Nets where he clotheslined Carl, Carl Malone. And if you do search on YouTube, you can find it. And it is thrilling to see that basketball was played that way. We all remember, of course, being played that way, but it was like exciting to see. Kenny Martin was your guy. I mean, that was. Oh gosh, he represented you as a person. He was your spirit. Only animal. if you had, only if you had good taste, was he your guy? That's <laughs> that's sort of how I felt. Um, yeah, no, of course, a lot of those mixtapes, a lot of a lot of fight mixes, like you were referencing um, <clears throat> for Kenny Martin, for sure. I don't know when to um, release it. I don't. I mean, drop it, Mike. Drop the drop the heat. Everyone wants the mixtape. Drop the drop the fire. I'll I'll drop I'll drop it soon when I have time to, because I got to do so much work to finish it. But it's good. It's gonna be good. It's no, it actually has no point now, but it's gonna be good. So I'm excited I, for a little to do it. It's thank you, Robbie, for your interest. interest. Yes, thank you. Um, and also, I love an email like this. Like these are the these are the kinds of so I love a, both like that juxtaposed to this, which is from Cherboy Aaron Vote Voit. I'm gonna go Voit. I don't know. Who knows? Um, Aaron knows. Hopefully, Aaron knows. Um, so send for my iPhone. I think that Durant is coming back because if he wasn't going to come back, he would have said it already. The dots are just adding him, adding up for him to come back and win in the final and win the finals. Love that. Um, so those are the types of people. I love like that kind of just like slap together, you know, phone, phone, phone it in email, um, literally. Um, and and again, anyways. literally, you know, typically we see sent for my iPhone at the bottom of the email. This is at the top of the email. Leading classic. <laughs> leading. Don't make any mistakes. Classic this structure. Is, I typed this in a parked car. Um, and then just bringing up the rear is that while my cat, cat has yeah. is like in heat or something. She has been a menace to society. Let me tell you, She's a grumpy old lady. Um, it's your boy Ian Wells. 
So it's the most pressing question for next season. Which throwbacks should we wear? I need those early 90s retro retros. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, why have they been holding out on us for so long? I have the answer right here behind me. This uh, tiny Drazen Petrovich doll. That's my my piece of my swag. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's That's been the answer for for 10 years now and they just won't give it to us mike they don't want to i don't know why how do you feel about the like the jason kidd era nets jerseys the new jersey like you know i i like parts of them i like the i mean when they're just the whites they feel really gross to me but um the 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 navy blue was a a nice shade of navy blue and the gray and the red was kind of working for me when it went all red in the in the end of the darren williams period that was maybe people somehow are like on the fence about that which for me that's like barf that's big barf big barf you know vibes on that thing um but anyways uh again it's the it's the powder blue of the 90s the draws in yes, era absolutely um that needs to come back and and sure. so uh, t- so i obviously that does need to come back and i think it will i think we all kind of know that the prokhorov um you know the old management that management group was trying to kill everything that had to do with new jersey I don't know that this one is going to try to bring back more of a New Jersey vibe. I mean, you know, I think they're going to pay a little bit more homage to those times. We've already seen them bring back Julius Irving. Julius Irving came back for a Nets game or was going to. I don't know if we ever he found. Yeah, he did. Which was the first Nets game that he went to in X amount of years. Right. So they connected with the Long Island history. I'd imagine they're going to try to connect a little bit more with New Jersey history because like, why not? Like, what are you losing by bringing back super dope? draws in jerseys like those would be beautiful and gorgeous to wear um we've never really talked about this brian do you like this version of the nets color scheme the the black and white and gray versus the red white and blue the more navy blue where are you on this yeah I, I very much like the black and white uh, i'll say that their alternative stuff has been mostly misses for me with with a couple of exceptions which were like the anytime that they basically invoke some of the more retro stuff it like works better but like this we talked about this like the bed thing was a real travesty in my opinion um just anything with graffiti like like fonting on it is always when it gets put through the the mill it always comes out looking like a Microsoft Paint font. It just never quite <laughs> <laughs> works. It, for the, it doesn't have a desired effect, I'll say. Um, I, I'm not against graffiti fonts in general in principle, but yeah. I, I, I agree it goes with through you. the board. Yeah. Though there is this, I, I don't, they've never worn it, but it's the, the yellow jersey with the best graffiti font with the biggie, you know, pattern uh, on, the, on the ribbing. And it has nothing. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the Nets. Like, all of it is just different. It's all different. But I kind of love that jersey. And I think it would look amazing on TV, though they haven't worn it. I think maybe they were going to wear it this season at some point. It's been released online, and you can buy it. Um, So I imagine that they were going to wear it. I do. I mean, I I like, like, it's funny now, Durant's seven, and I only see Joe Johnson's seven when I see Durant. So kind of diminish. I love, you know. I don't love Joe Johnson, but Joe Johnson, <laughs> yeah, Joe Johnson Big, of the yeah. Dar- Joe Johnson v. Darren Williams. I would go Joe Johnson every day, right? Was that why? Why must they be v each well, other? Why is that? They were in the yeah. same era, and okay. there was Team Joe and Team Darren. Everyone knew that, Brian. <laughs> okay, it, yeah, everyone Got on it. the streets. It was yeah. like Team Zane or Team Harry Styles. Meanwhile, I'm over here Team Gerald Wallace all day, every day, yeah. and you know my own fringe club. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, but I'd like to see a little bit. I mean, they, it's it would be such a win. There's two wins that they could do for jerseys. Is one is to bring back the Drazen era baby blue, sky blue jersey, or even just the lighter royal blue would be gorgeous. And then the other one is to do a Swamp Dragons night, and they refuse to do the Swamp Dragons. It's. I think they still own the copyright to it in some way. Um, if you don't know the story, the Nets were debate. I think Zach Lowe did the story about it when he was at Grantland. The Nets were debating about when they were in New Jersey about changing their name to the Swamp Dragons, and they had a jersey mocked up. They had a logo mocked up. Uh, Brooke Lopez has worn, I think, the jersey like privately as a private citizen uh, in support <laughs> of the Swamp Dragons. Completely in private. In a, he was in a dark. Yeah, he was in a in a dark room by himself. And you know, obviously, if they had changed their name to the Swamp Dragons, like when they moved to Brooklyn, they could have been called the Gowanus Canal Dragons of some kind, or the 
you know, canal monsters or something. People, um, people like make fun of this, but I think that it was like a massive missed opportunity. I mean, think about like how much reverence people have for the old Vancouver Grizzlies aesthetic. That's basically what they were getting at, right? This is like, it was super, it was purple and green, <laughs> like, which is insane. <laughs> and, uh, and it was massively cartoonish. Um, yeah, it was going to be great. And well, missed opportunity. And I think it would have just busted open the the glass ceiling that is NBA sort of like mascot nicknames because it, it's roughly all kind of stale. If we're going to be honest, like the Grizzlies, like as it was, that was kind of shocking. The Raptors at the time was fairly shocking, but they're all within the realm of sports nicknames, fearsome monsters or whatever. The Swamp Dragon would have taken it to a whole nother level. It would have been, it, it would just, you would have gone into the sort of the minor league baseball aspect that we now kind of live through. And it would have been hilarious and awful. But yet, if we had gone through the Swamp Dragons era and then went back to the Brooklyn Nets. Actually, let me ask you this. Let's live in this world for a sec. Do you think if they became the Swamp Dragons? Listen to this cat. Lily, I'm recording a podcast in here. To keep it down. For my, was that too loud for you? That was beautiful. If they <laughs> if they were the Swamp Dragons, one, would they still be the Swamp Dragons? And two, if they weren't, do you think they would have gone back to the Nets or just gone to a totally different name at that point? Because the Nets is also a name that many people thoroughly They would have gone back to it. They 100% would have gone back to it. And it would have been even like, it would have been cooler for it. Like having just that, that stopgap Swamp Dragons period to look back to would have been... Um, Super funny. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is so, that am I? Is that right? Yeah. No, that is. I can't believe we yeah. just wasted what amount of time on. We're twenty minutes in now. Yeah, twenty minutes in. We talked about <laughs> yeah. Jersey Swamp Dragon. Yeah. That's, That's what happens when you start with the emails. <laughs> you gotta be cautious of that. No, I love it. That was great. Um. So thank you, everyone. Netspod at Gmail. Um. Please keep sending them in. We'll keep you know interspersing. I think we're going to hear more and more about you know basketball actually coming back. And what that's going to look like. So, you know, we're going to, I'm sure the questions will be shifting more towards, you know, hey, when's Kyrie Irving going to play? Which we appreciate. But any kind of questions you have about the Nets or just life in general, I think we're here for you, right? That's what we're here for. All right, Brian, I want you to think back. What was the first cologne you were ever gifted? It was probably, I don't know the name of it, but it had a deer antler head. And it was probably like a year ago. (laughs) Just a year ago? (laughs) Yeah, I was... I uh, I didn't get through it, and I think I think it got chucked out. I, for the longest time, there were two prominent ones in my life. There was the like Ralph Lauren Polo Blue bottle that I had mm-hmm. for a decade at least, and then there was an Abercrombie variation. I do remember seeing that on a lot of dressers. That would be prominently displayed on dressers. I can tell you who bought me the Abercrombie. It was my mom. I guarantee it because at the mall, Abercrombie, you'd walk by it and you could smell that horrible cologne, but it would waft through. And then it was a thing of like my mom thinking, my son smells really bad. He needs just a layer of pine wood and sea salt. And he just needs that to survive high school. And then he's on his own in college. So it was for me, Polo Blue and Abercrombie. Um, but I have a new, new thing for you that I think could really help you and I in our husband game and it's Hawthorne. Okay. And you can check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co that's Hawthorne with an E. So it's H A W T H O R N E.co, not.com. And I'm going to tell you what, Brian, you use the promo code. Athletic to get 10% off your first purchase at Hawthorne. Hawthorne is a fantastically delicious smelling cologne so that in quarantine, you don't lose, you know, the magic, the essence that you are, you know, you're stuck with your wife. I'm stuck with my wife and her whole family where I'm living, but let's not forget about, we have to tend and care to ourselves. 
and surprise each other with a new smell. And <laughs> that would be the most surprising way. Often yeah. I do surprise my wife I, with a new smell. Legitimately, fourth wall breaking moment here. We've been having serious conversations about buying cologne in this house. So I think this Hawthorne thing seems like a <laughs> legitimately, if you get a bottle, like send it over because I'll give it a try. And I can get you 10% off using the promo hey. code athletic. Hawthorne nice. with an E at the end dot co. 10% off athletic. Try it out. I'm telling you, this is the moment. Prom was one moment to get cologne. College when you weren't showering was another moment. And now in yeah. quarantine is another key moment to kind of liven up the smell in your life. Feels that way to me. Basketball, Brian. Basketball is on the march back. It is storming the gates of reality. Whoa. <laughs> we, are getting, Whoa. we are getting closer and closer to basketball coming back. We don't know exactly when that will be. We think maybe mid-July actual basketball games will be happening. We expect, though, in June for players to be told to come back to their localities, Brooklyn, Westchester, if you're in the Knicks, all these other places, to practice in those facilities for two weeks and then go to Orlando for another three weeks of practice. And then the ball will be literally thrown out to the court and will say, let's finish this NBA season. Um, So what needs to happen, though, is the NBA needs to figure out a return to play scenario that makes sense for the players that makes sense for the league that I think would least minimize an asterisk season. You know, I remember when we began all this craziness, the initial thought was they should just have a full 30 team single elimination tournament and we'll, we'll finish it off in three weeks. We'll have a champion and that will be the champion, but that, that is not going to happen. So there's four possible scenarios that, have seemed to be the the leaders in the clubhouse, if you will, about return to play scenarios. And what Brian and I kind of wanted to do was just to just to run. Th- we're going to run through them, or I'll kind of gently talk about them, and then I think we just what is the most interesting to you? What is the most likely, and then most KD related possible comeback, if you will. Um, totally. Here are the f- through, through the Nets lens. Through, always through the Nets. Always lens. through the Nets lens. Here are the top four options that seem to be. There's just the regular sixteen team playoffs. It is everyone else goes home. Everyone else stays home. The top 16 teams, the current 16 teams, if there were playoffs today, they go to Orlando. They play four rounds, seven game series, the normal playoffs that we would see. That's option one. That that feels a little unlikely. There's some economics behind why you have to have some regular season games. You're also going to need some kind of preseason games, and you don't want playoff teams playing against each other in a preseason format. But that's option one. Option two is everyone comes back, they play two weeks of regular season games to finish out the standings, then into normal playoffs. So then you're saying everyone comes back to Orlando, two weeks of games, normal playoffs. Option three, some play-in tourney of some kind. You bring back 18 to 24 teams. You hold a play-in tournament to determine the final seeds of the playoffs. So let's say teams 14 to 24 play in some kind of play-in tournament, then those teams will be inserted into a regular playoff, and then we go. And the most interesting idea, I think, and I don't know if it's the most likely, but it's the most interesting one, is a World Cup-style group stage. Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer has talked about it a lot, where it's basically bring 20 teams back, you bring 20 teams into four different groups, each team in a group plays each other two times, and then the top two teams in each of those groups advance to an eight-team playoff, which is seven-game series. You're basically saying goodbye to the first round and replacing it with a World Cup-style event. Um, the groups are determined by – there's a couple different ways, but one could just be you know the, the top teams each are the top teams in each group, and then it go snake draft kind of up and down and back around. Where do you want to start? What's most interesting to you of that, of that kind of – Mix and well, let's match. First, let's first like break out the big macro stuff. Yes. Right? Because like here's what you want to do. The NBA has been talking about making updates and changes to their playoff bracketing system for a long time now, right? That's been a big conversation. People are generally not loving the current East-West situation, right? Like the, everyone kind of realizes that there's a missed opportunity to, um, you know, get... Uh, people are, have a lot of different ideas about how to break that thing up. So I think... There's a strong argument that this is a good. There's already an asterisk, an unavoidable asterisk on on this on the season, and why not do some real serious experimentation with those types of new systems 
now while there is already going to be that asterisk. You know, lean into the asterisk. So that's one side of the spectrum. The other one Hashtag lean is, into the asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Then there's another one where it's like, um, how much do you want this to delay into next season? Right? Because if you go and just like pick up the season, do two or more weeks of regular season games and get the local TV stations there, get them to secure the bag, if you will. Um, Cause isn't there a whole thing where you need to have at least 70 games for them to get their contracts paid out? I haven't looked to see if this is, this is just like conventional thinking on Twitter. I, I have no idea. I haven't done the research on this, so it could be per- perpetuating a rumor. Um, yeah. I, I've heard enough smart people like Sam Amick and other people like that who cover the NBA say it um, enough and say it via like sources tell us, Though I, the NBA probably, I know they haven't come out and say that directly. Um, it is something that probably does matter, right? Which which means that they each, on I think on average, every team needs to play around seven more regular season games in order to get the local broadcast television stations the aforementioned bag. Which is where we get the two weeks of regular season, right? When you kind of see the timelines come out from Sham Sharani and Woj, you see a lot of times they reference some amount of regular season games. It's because of that, right? Like they they need to get to 70 games like you're saying to secure a contract. Again, we it feels like that's true. It also feels like kind of short-sighted from the regional sports networks view if they're like I, we need our 70 games, we need them now and health be damned and the health of like a bunch of people be damned, we need them. I feel like there's some negotiation room that could be had, but I guess that that doesn't matter at this point. Yes. So so there's that argument, and, and then it goes into how long will that push back next season? Do we want to really get into a complicated situation where we're delaying that? Because, I mean, already, you know, we would be pretty close to the finals as is um, in today's right. Isn't that the case? Like, where would we be if the playoffs had just been happening like normal? Doesn't it normally happen yeah, around the we, end of we're just June? A, we, we were just yeah. about to enter the finals right now because Katie, like, Katie tears his Achilles june 12th or something like that or i forget exactly when it was but like katie so this is right this is finals time we are entering the finals typically i remember like memorial day weekend is when we get because like i remember memorial day weekend was like the warriors game against forget who it was and against okc and kevin durant that's the summer that like the playoffs leading into when KD leaves OKC was when there was that like amazing Steph Curry, Clay Thompson comeback, and then the Warriors went on to win the championship that year. That was Memorial Day weekend. I know that because I was in a bar by an Adirondack Lake with a bunch of other people watching that game. Very Big interesting. Flex. Big flex. Big flex. Um, yeah. So, anyways, um, there's there's a lot of those types of um, constraints right informing this, and then from a Nets perspective. Here's my line of thinking on this. I think the Nets are weird enough. They have enough injury concerns, but also like nuclear bombs of Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving waiting in the in the shadows here um, that basically any situation that helps uh, randomness, like the RNG of this team, which is a random number generator, like we, we would thrive off of as few game in a, a few games in a series, one game eliminations, all the way into the finals. That would be a Nets fans for, for that's the dream, right? Because that would be the best case scenario for getting a championship. We don't want to go into seven game the meat grinder of a seven game series over and over again with our guys being a the health concerns, all that good stuff, and then also just like we don't know enough about this team to know whether that's a good or bad situation for us, and it's likely that we're enough of a question mark that people just don't know what to do about planning for playing against a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving led nets that you, you really want as few games in a series as, as humanly possible. You want, you want the rest of the league to know, continue to know as little about us as possible. That's sort of my feeling. Exactly. And, but there's another side to this where it's like, okay, so I'm going to go, I'm obviously going to go down the rabbit hole of Kevin Durant's coming back. Right. So there's two different things that have to happen. One, it's either the foreman has to come out and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have to talk to each other and say, hey, is it worth us for even try to push this either way? Like Kyrie Irving would be the one in my mind who is pushing it health wise for coming back from his surgery, which happened. It would have happened four months from the time when games are actually being played. But that also is like he needs to ramp up and he needs to get back to health and a shoulder injury, you know, 
it's tough to just like your shoulder, like still be rehabbing and trying to play basketball because you kind of use your shoulder while playing basketball. So Kyrie Irving's the guy who's going to have to push it where KD is like, I'll just say it again. The dude was playing five on five two months <laughs> oh. ago. And if we don't think that he like, was it full speed though? It was not full. We don't know if it was full speed. It may have been full <laughs> speed. I'll ask Chris Chioza when oh, he's yeah. back on the pod again, but the guy was playing five on five two months ago. He's been allowed to rehab throughout the entirety of this process. Yes, I understand that he tested positive for coronavirus. And I know that that would have, in fact, at least stalled him for two weeks. And rightfully, it should have. That doesn't mean that he was, and from what we understand about how he felt about his illness, that it wasn't um, the more one of the more serious cases that is involved with the disease. So it's not like he was set back health-wise seriously from it. So the guy, Kevin Durant, if he wanted to play basketball, I truly believe this. If he wanted to play basketball and it made sense for him to do so, he could be playing. And how? what does making sense mean? Well, Ian Eagle was on Chris Grosso's podcast, Basic Thoughtonomics. Ian Eagle's been out there talking. We've talked previously about Ian Eagle. And Ian Eagle has been out there talking about Kevin Durant. And previously, his statements have been stronger, saying that Kevin Durant looks really good from what he understands Kevin Durant is fully healthy. This is what he now had to say on Chris Grosso's podcast, Basic Thoughtonomics. He says, I'm not sure whether Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving can answer that at this point about whether they're going to come back. Until we see what the mini training camp looks like and what the schedule would look like, it's nearly impossible to say, oh, yeah, these guys are coming back or these guys are not coming back. I've heard very strong opinions on both ends. Okay, so here's, again, my thing about Iron Eagle. Ian Eagle, very plugged in. Ian Eagle, not a reporter, but he is very close to the team in his role as the main broadcaster for Yes Network. Ian does get information that he will impart in very select circumstances. And this statement by Ian Eagle recently, very recently, is a change from what he had said previously. Previously, he was stronger with Kevin Durant coming back. Now he's more like, we need to see the schedule. You know what this quote reminds me of, Brian? Reminds me of Rich Kleiman, the way Rich Kleiman, KD's manager, would talk about how it's unrealistic for Kevin Durant coming back. We haven't even talked about it because we we don't even know what the league is going to look like when they do come back. You know, Rich has been saying that consistently, and that's why I don't even like said he's a he's hasn't been very truthful because I do think he's mentioned to KD, hey man, do you want to play basketball? Um, I think that conversation has had to have happened as two people as closely linked to each other as they are and whose financial fortunes are as tied to Kevin Durant playing basketball. But <laughs> you guys got to see how wild eyed Mike gets when he starts going down this rabbit hole. It is like <laughs> it is he is mainlining KD news and conspiracy. But this unequal quote about that we need to see the schedule and Rich Kleiman's line that it's unrealistic to even talk about it because we don't know what the NBA is going to look like. I do agree with that. Okay. I agree that I think KD is waiting and wondering how is the NBA going to play this? We know Kevin Durant was one of the guys pushing for the league to return to play. He was part of the group of like Damian Lillard, who's interesting now because he doesn't really want to play basketball unless he can get into the playoffs. Chris Paul, LeBron James, all these big stars came together on a conference call and said, we want to play basketball. We want basketball to be back. Not that Kevin Durant says, I am going to play basketball, but he was part of the call. So we, we of course, we know he wants basketball to come back. Why would he not? Um, but I, I, I know that Kevin Durant is wondering what structure the league is going to take. Now, the thing about these four options that we laid out previously, I think all of them lead to like a fairly stable structure for if I'm Kevin Durant, I would want to come back. The one I would be least interested in and being a part of is the group stage where I have to play like a mix of really good teams to prove myself, to get into the top eight playoff teams. Like even the play in turning idea where it's, you bring back 18 to 24 teams, you hold a play in tournament for the bottom two seeds in each conference. That to me, if I'm Kevin Durant, even if I don't have Kyrie Irving, I'm like, I have Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, down to Jordan, Joe Harris. I have a really good team. If I'm healthy, I'm pretty confident we could beat the Sacramento Kings and we could beat the Orlando Magic. Well, so 
here's my line of thinking on this. Here's here's the balance to strike though, because if it's too weird of a situation, if it's too unlike traditional playoff basketball, if the tournament is structured more like World Cup and less like NBA playoffs, I'm worried that that's a de-incentivizing force for players like Kevin Durant because the asterisk is too large next to that W. You know, there is a balance there in my mind. Right. So I think it. So my overall think about how the NBA is going to play this is how can they recover the most amount of money because that matters greatly to the NBA as it should. They're a business and as it does the players because the players get paid off of how much money the league makes. And what is the most stable structure, right? Because like, it's funny, we're getting all these crazy ideas, the World Cup style idea, the the full league play in tournament, all these, the play in tournament just to get into the bottom seeds, all those things. And all those things are exciting and fun and cool to think about. Totally reseeding the playoffs because, you know, if you re the playoffs now, everyone's in the same location. So the, the problem of traveling from, if you're the Nets from Brooklyn to Portland in a series and back and forth, that doesn't really matter anymore because everyone's in the same location. But I think in like the uncertainty of the moment that we don't know, like one, what happens when a player does get test positive in this environment, they're going to get knocked out of playing for at least two weeks, right? There, there's all of these variables that the NBA has never dealt with before. I just don't think that the NBA is going to like mess around too much with the thing that they know that they can do, which is like, we have this normal playoff structure. We have 16 teams, eight from each conference. They play these certain amount of, they play seven game series in the playoffs. What it does is it typically ensures the top one or two, the one or two seed get to the NBA finals, which is what they want anyways. Like the NBA doesn't want, the Lakers getting knocked out of the group stage because LeBron is a little bit rusty coming back and Anthony Davis tests positive for coronavirus. They want to buttress themselves against that scenario. And I think the most likely thing to protect themselves is just a regular 16 team playoff. It's like just, we, we know what we're going to get from that. We know that typically the top seed of the second seed win, like they get to the finals and they want the Clippers, the Lakers, probably the Bucks, and then, I don't know, the Sixers, or they don't really want Toronto to go back because they just don't. That's just not what they want. They probably want the Nets to get to the NBA Finals, to be honest. If you had if you had to power rank the teams that they that you that the NBA most wants to get to the NBA Finals, I think the Nets would be in the top <laughs> five. Kevin Durant led Nets. That's it's definitely in the top five. I mean, obviously, Lakers versus Lakers, that quote, you know. <laughs> remains super ever true to this day and more so now. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I, I I do. I mean, as tempted as I am to say, like, I want, I can I go back and forth on this, honestly, is my thing. Because, like, as a Nets fan, like, I realize the potential there. And also, like, it, it all seems like a lot would have to come together just so in order for, for this to work out for us. Um, whereas as an NBA fan, I do think it's really a fun time to mix up to just start injecting some new ideas into the playoff format. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ex- I'm excited to see what that looks like. I, I feel I've been, you know, I I think it's it's pretty obvious that there's some real faults with the current model. Like just that this just that first round just sucks. It's long. It goes on forever. There's very little volatility in it. It's as predictable as competitive sports gets. There's something about it that just doesn't feel right, Mike. Yeah, I I agree. And so like I'm along your camp of like, they should do something a little bit different because the object of travel doesn't exist. Like we don't have to worry about these guys again, flying across the country. I just think again, in the environment where there's so much uncertainty to then add a layer of group stage world cup style leading into, cause think about the end of that group stage world cup thing, which I love. Cause like, if you think about that as a fan perspective, that means like one group could have the Lakers thunder, Nets and, you know, name another crappy team, the Kings and someone else like pretty good, like the Mavericks. Like they could all be in one group depending on how they do it, you know, because it could be there's a couple of ways you could do snake draft just from their current win totals right now. You could do like the Lakers choosing who they want because they would be the top seed to just each group have the same win percentage. So you balance it out that way, which shouldn't be that hard to figure out. It's just addition um, or multiplication i don't know which one of those it is but anyway it's not it's actually not multiplication but the problem with that is 
you're leaving open the chance that the Lakers don't get to the round of the, the elite eight round or the Bucks getting there or the Clippers getting there. Where like in the normals playoff structure you do. And also the playoffs begin then with only eight teams. So that means you're a hundred percent losing, you know, you're losing the Sixers potentially, or you're losing the Celtics potentially. You're gonna lose, you know, the Nuggets or the Clippers. Like you're gonna lose a team that you would hope had been there immediately. Like they're just out of the picture. Now they would have been out in the first round after the first round, anyways, in a normal playoff, but at least they're in the playoffs. At least they have a shot to sort of say, you know, they have seven games to prove themselves in that first round. We're in the group stage, it it's not gonna feel as legitimate, you know, but there's more think, variable I mean, this is, for that's, screw up. That's endemic to the whole, the current structure of, of super competitive. There's only four teams realistically in any given season that can truly actually win a championship. And it almost never deviates from that. I mean, like last year was like one of the few times where that happened and it was kind of a, a weird situation, but like even still that had been a competitive team for a long time. And they were in this, like, I don't know where people were ranking Toronto last year. I don't know. Did they have them in their top five teams with Kawhi? I'm not sure that they did. No, Anyways. no, they didn't. Because because yeah. remember, like we all think, like they almost lost to they were they were the underdog at least in the minds of like regular NBA watchers against the Sixers, against the Bucks, and against the Warriors. And then the Warriors were decimated by injuries, so that obviously all flipped. But even during that finals, they were like they were like, nah, the the Raptors are not gonna pull this off like the Warriors are going to get clay back healthy and Kevin Durant and then it's just everything's going to go you know back to the Warrior side so like the Raptors were probably like not a top five team at least in people's minds sure but even still I think the point remains that like <clears throat> so let's let's be I mean without without the injuries for the Warriors that's a, that's a very different situation and sure. again you got you got to play the games I get it you know all that um and and no you know not trying to discredit Toronto or whatever because they beat some very good teams in the Eastern Conference to get there in the first place so there's all that for sure um that being said professional basketball is known for being like among the most predictable sports and that has a lot to do with concentration of talent on you know teams this was an, a really interesting season for a lot of reasons because like for the first time in a long time, there was a nice, or at least more parody, like the dispersal of talent seemed a little bit more even. Um, and that was going to be interesting. So like for that reason too, like this is kind of a, a crummy season for this to happen because like, I do think that it would have been a little bit of a um, paradigm shifting playoffs because we would have seen maybe a little bit more um, upward mobility from teams that had been like, you know, sort of struggling and, and teams that were old guard, like the, the Sixers were sort of like phasing out too. Um, it was kind of a, uh, a transformative season for that stuff. So um, it is, I don't know what the argument there is for that. That's to say that like there used to be, maybe there isn't that same sort of concentration of talent problem that the, the, the league had been facing for a long time. Um, but I don't know if we've actually totally resolved that. Cause that feels like much more of a management kind of issue than a, than a playoff issue. So, um, so beyond like the single game elimination tournament, which is the most Nets friendly, KD friendly, do you think? Again, it's always about randomness, but you can't have it be too random. Otherwise, the asterisk is too big and nobody takes it seriously. And so KD doesn't come back for your wacky Disney tournament. So for me, I think it's like option number one, just the top 16 playoff teams return going to normal playoffs. Um that's well. Actually, now now I'm thinking about it like a scenario in which they go right into playoff basketball. No, with no, these no. Guys. But but there would be some like for in that scenario there'd be some pre there'd be obviously practicing up until a certain point, and then there'd be some like preseason style games, right? And however they figure that out, whether it's like West teams play teams in the East, like the seven seed in the East plays the the two seed in the West, like a few scrimmage games, right? They play three games against each other. Not saying that that's what the plan is, but like, sure, there's that's that's baked into it. Okay, yeah, I mean, then I'm going with that because I just um, I don't think that KD comes back in a world where we're playing some wacky tournament, um, a World Cup style anything. If the world, if the word World Cup, the phrase World Cup is anywhere near this thing, I think that that's that's um, they become allergic to it. But again, we want this to be, you know. Uh, we want to surprise people pretty pretty much with this if we can. So um, not getting a ton of looks uh, at us on a regular season, even though like the two weeks of regular season, that's like six or seven games. It's not a whole lot to look at. Uh, I'm all mixed up about this, Mike. 
I, what I think is... I definitely don't want to play in tourney. I'll say that. That seems like a lot of work for... Um, to get to a situation for, and it, it benefits bubble teams, but like we're, we're a bubble team and we're already in. So yeah. like, I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. So, and that's, what's interesting. Like the people who are going to be voting on this are the owners and the players obviously have a say, like the players have to agree to the deal, but first it comes from the owners. The owners say, okay, this is the plan that we all approve. And all these owners are going to just be thinking about their own interest, right? Like, and if you're a bottom feeding team this year, like the warriors or the Cavs, the Hawks, those owners actually do want their players to come back to play basketball because that's how they make money, the regional sports contracts and all that stuff. Even though if the players don't really want to come back, the owners will want them to come back. Um, and the players should in some way because they make money. If I'm Kevin Durant, right, the thing that would most intrigue me is I need to know that if I'm coming back, I'm coming back for more than just one game. So like a play-in tournament like we discussed, like if there's a chance the Nets really only get one shot if it's the play-in tournament for the final two seeds and then the Nets lose to, again, let's say the Kings or the Trailblazers in that first round and then they're done, what's the? there isn't a point. Even though if Kevin Durant feels like, of course, if I play with the Nets, I can, you know, destroy the Trailblazers. But for him, it's like, well, we also could lose and then all – why would I spend a month of my life in quarantine to play one basketball game that matters and then – that doesn't help my rehab. What helps my rehab is knowing that I'm going to get to go to training camp in, in Brooklyn, then go to training camp in Orlando, which will happen no matter what. Then some regular season games, two weeks worth. What, so that maybe it's four or five games. And then I play a seven game series against the Raptors or a seven game series against the Lakers. If they completely reseed, which would be the matchup, if they completely reseed the playoff structure right now, get away with East and West and just go one through 16. If I know I have seven games to kind of prove that my team is good enough, I'm going to go for that. Now, again, the whole question about this too is like, is Kyrie going to come back? We can't answer that because we just, his injury is tougher to know at this point if he's healthy, right? Like, but if Kyrie and Katie are both healthy and then they have a shot to play multiple games to prove their worth in the playoffs, I think they're, they, they opt for that. I think they're waiting Rich Klein and Kevin Durant are waiting to see the structure. And if it gives Durant himself some wiggle room, so where if like he can work himself into shape and get back to basketball shape and play a seven game series against the Raptors, that, that to me, the traditional playoffs is the best thing for the Nets. It's not the most interesting, but it is the best. I really do not as an, as a Nets follower, even as exciting as it would be for the Nets to play the Lakers in round one, I don't want that. I I don't want the Nets to just immediately get pummeled and that would be the end of the playoff run. Like, th okay, think about it this way. If the Nets played a regular Eastern Conference playoffs, round one would be the Raptors. Intriguing. As in, like, the Nets would have more talent if they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And then round two would be the winner of the Celtics Sixers. And... You know, either team I would be very excited to play in a playoff game against because there's a lot of emotion. I mean, obviously, if it's the Celtics, it would be Kyrie would be so damn motivated. And then we get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And John and Moose is just guarding Giannis the whole time. And then that's when the NBA championship after that. <laughs> it's a simple path. Lock it in. Um, Mike, we've done an hour of talking. What's um... I know. It's embarrassing. <laughs> what um, what do you want to do? Do you want to go into our color comparison, or do you want to save that for another hour-long app? Yeah, let's save it for another hour-long yeah. So next episode, we're going to do um, special killer comparisons, uh, types of people in quarantine related mm. to NBA players, which NBA players like that. Topical. Very topical. So look for that pod Saturday, Saturday yeah. morning release. Uh, Fun. Saturday morning cartoons. And then... Yeah. Thank you all for listening to this episode. Oh, just like that. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. You got it. All right, bye-bye.